We're talking about paradoxes, and you've probably heard that word and, and know what they mean. There are lots of different kinds of paradoxes in life, the ways of describing things. There are certain paradoxes that are, it, it, they happen when two seemingly contradictory things are presented as true at the same time. If you want a sample of that, I got a handful of them that are in the form of signs. So you take a look at this is paradox where it says there's a swimming pool, no swimming. That there's no eating or drinking permitted in the food court. And this, this is an actual billboard. Just to let you read that. Literate, write for free help. Stop and think about that for a minute. A sign of a door that says no entry or do not, en- do not enter and that's because it's to enter only. Or an ashtray with that signal sign on it. Or a sign that says to stop and then tells you no stopping at any time. I like this one where it says there's the elevator's closed. Sorry for the inconvenience. So what they want you to do? Use the elevator. It's a paradox. Two things that are seemingly contradictory presented as true. They're there are also paradoxes of reason and thought that defy logic. That you, There's unsolvable equations or scenarios that you, if you ask them, they just present a paradox to you. And here are some that you might hear about. Can a, this, it's a question. Can a man drown in the fountain of eternal life? Or this one. A girl. Okay, here, the, I, love, I love the time travel ones, right? Because they're always kind of messed up. A girl goes in the past and kills her grandmother. Since her grandmother is dead, the girl was never born. If she was never born, how she could, she, could she kill her grandmother? Right? Wait, yeah, it doesn't work. Think about the movies that you've seen with time travel. You go, wait, if that happened, then that wouldn't happen. Kind of stuff. And here's, here's one. Answer truthfully, yes or no. The following question. Will your next word be no? I, mean, I can tell you're going to take me a minute for that one. It's a paradox of reason. Or this one that some of us were told when we were kids. Do not go into the water until you know how to swim. Presents a paradox. George Carlin, the the comedian, always asked this one. If you try to fail and succeed, which have you done? And, you know, you start. Some of you I've lost you. You're going to be... For the rest of the time... So you go up to somebody and say, you know, today is opposite day. Well, wait a minute. If today is opposite day, does that mean the opposite of what you said is true? That means today is not opposite day. Wait a minute. And your head blows up. Paradoxes are confusing. They're also kind of unsettling, aren't they? I don't like, I, I like reason. I like logic. I, think, I like things to make sense. I want to be able to solve stuff. So to live with a quandary of how, how you if a, how can a paradox be true if it doesn't work in my head? It's confusing and it's, it's a little bit unsettling, like, like this one. Here, I'm going to present this paradox to you. It says, the sentence on the other side of this card is true. The sentence on the other side of this card is false. Let's just pause for a moment. Thanks for coming today. Glad you could come. Okay, now, God has designed life on the planet. Whether you believe in Him or not, whether you're following Him or not, He is the designer and the maker of your life. We believe that around here, and we want to see what it looks like for honest people to have an authentic relationship with God and say, how did you design this to work? What did you mean for us to do? 
obviously the center point of life, according to what God has said, is we have to be restored spiritually. You have to come to know back to life. Jesus, we sang about that just now. We praised Jesus for presenting a way for our sins to be forgiven. What we're going to do in this series is is build on that. So I'm going to talk mostly to those of us in the room who have crossed that line of faith. If you have not crossed that line, great, that's fine. Think about it, consider it. We want you to understand what, how important that is. That's the centerpiece. Once you cross the line and you say, I, have, I believe I've been brought to life by Jesus Christ, that's the beginning of the life that he intended. Then he says, now I've got a way for you to do this. A means by which you live out your design. What is that means? And when God starts giving instructions to that, we're going to see instantly and all over the place that every, almost everything he seems to say presents a paradox for us. It's a paradox because it's a statement of belief contrary to commonly accepted opinion. It's going to go consistently run opposite of your instinct. It's going to present something that that violates your logic sometimes or common opinion. You got to know this. While we would say, hey, we're like every other person in the world. We're now different than everybody else in the world. If you follow what God says, you're going to look really different than a whole lot of what conventional wisdom says to do because God presents paradox all the time. Something that's contrary, things that sound like they don't, they don't match with each other. So here, here's just a sampling from Scripture when you hear Jesus and other parts of Scripture where he presents something and goes, okay, this is the way I, to, to live. And you go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Things like whoever tries, this is Luke 17, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Matthew 20, he says, the last will be first and the first will be last. 2 Corinthians 12, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's a paradox. In order to get strong, I get weak. How's that work? In Luke chapter 9, he who is the least among you all, he's the greatest. Psalm 37, 11, Jesus referred to this too. The meek will inherit the earth. That's not how it works. Can I just say, some, some of you are here today because it's New Year's and you said, you know, I kind of been drifting a little bit or, or maybe it's not because it's New Year's, but as you enter the new year, maybe you didn't set a, re- a resolution, but maybe you did, but you kind of said, you know, this is a fresh start and I, I really want to see about getting back on track with God. I want to explore that. This is a good reset time for me. If that's true, great. Then understand this, that as you do that, you're going to discover that you have to get used to this. That if you want to live life God's way, you're going to violate your logic a whole lot of the time. You're going to have to make choices that go against your instinct, your better judgment. You'll have to do things that don't seem to add up. You'll have to live a paradox. He's constantly presenting that. I'm going to eventually I'm going to ask you to join me in Luke 14, but you can go ahead and turn there if you like. But let me let me just if you're taking notes, I, I just want to urge you to. Make a note about a passage that's in your program, Matthew 5. To, actually, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, it's called. It, basically, it's Jesus giving an orientation to say, okay, I'm not, here's a picture of what the kingdom that you were designed for is actually supposed to be like. The kingdom of God and the citizens in it, and if you want to be one, here's what that citizenship is, is like. In Matthew 5, chapters 5 through 7, he has that talk. It's an orientation to his kingdom. In the midst of that, there's a recurring theme, and it's over and over again. He says it's a paradox Six times, at least, he says, 
All right, you've heard something said is true. You've heard it said, and now I'm going to tell you something different. I'm going to present a paradox to get from where you're going. Here's just one sample from, from uh, Matthew 5, uh, verse 38 and following it. You've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. It was from the Old Testament law. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn him the other. And if someone wants to uh, sue you and take your tunic, let him also have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. There's a paradoxical way of living there that he kind of presents and he follows that all the way through. Those, you're going to run into this. If, you, if we are on a path to follow God's way and to follow his son who is our king, my adopted king, the rightful king, Jesus Christ, following that king, kingship means I'm going to go a way that isn't like everybody else is going. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7. Take a look. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. That's, there's a direction most people are going in life. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. That's not just talking about getting to heaven when you die. It's talking about living the life that God intended. It's a narrower road. It's a harder way. In Proverbs 16, this gets used several times in Scripture, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So God says, I'm going to present a paradox, a bunch of them to you. Want to follow me? Then live, live this stuff out. Stuff that it's contrary to your, your own instinct. So today we're going to start with that, but by talking about there's a paradox that God presents for our, our, our very orientation toward our life and our world. The, way, the view we take, the worldview we take toward our situation, our circumstances, the relationships, the, the surroundings we're in. There's a paradox he's going to present for how to function in that. And you get to Luke chapter 14, and Jesus expresses that in this statement. It's kind of a story. Luke 14, starting with verse 7. I'm just going to read it to you, or, or you can hear it or follow along. Then he asks them, or when, when you notice how the guests... Pick the place of honor at the table. Now, Jesus is going to a banquet kind of setting. People are sitting around. There's a long table. You can kind of picture how this would work. And people are trying to jockey for position about where they're going to sit near the head of the table. And he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. Usually, just like you go to weddings today, there's like the dignitary spot. You know, the tables are closer to the food. That's where I like to go, you know, or the head. You know, there's places And if if everybody can just take their place, when you do that, don't take the place of honor because a person more distinguished than you may have arrived. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this man your seat. And then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, maybe he will, he maybe he won't, but he says in the story, he will say to you, friend, Move up to a better place, and then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. And here we go. Here's a, here's a paradox. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Backwards thinking. The paradox he presents is okay, there, there's something that you and I probably would like, and that is we'd like to move ourselves forward, upward. Most of us would like to see that happen. And Jesus said, okay, now here's my orientation. You want to position yourself in a place where you're moving upward or forward. Here's what you do. You step backward in order to go forward. 
To advance yourself, you reduce yourself. To go higher, you move yourself lower. There's a handful of ways that this is going to... I'm going to make some reference to some passages. Some you've already heard a little of today. And I want to invite you to think about how that happens. Because this, like, like we often do around here, this is not, we're not doing this just so you learn something new today and say, oh, that's interesting. We want to be transformed. I want to be transformed into the image of God. I want to become more like He and design me to be. And that's what we're going to assume you want to do, whether you, it's true or not. So if we do that, let's ask some questions. So how does that happen? How, does it, how do I put the paradox into to motion? Because, you know, if you're on Facebook... Most of you probably know how many people like your stuff, right? You celebrate it. And if you have a business on Facebook, they have little ads there to tell you how you can generate more traffic, how you can get more likes, how you can get... And there's goals all the time to get more. Get noticed more. Try to advance things, expand your business. That's just normal. That's how you make a living. That's how you get things done. It's just common sense. And God's going to introduce something that kind of says, all right, now in your personal life, the way the kingdom works is you move yourself out of the spotlight. You move yourself out of notoriety. You move back to the, the back of the line. This happens, it starts in our mindset first, our thinking, our attitude. Dan uh, had us read together Philippians 2. Here, here's another part of, here's part of that again in Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 that says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. It's funny, it doesn't say as good as yourself. Consider others better than yourself. Yeah, but what if they're not? Because <laughs> I know what you think. Because you think the same thing I think. Because you're a scoundrel like I am. And you can be nice to people, but you do it because you really think that they're just not quite as good as you are. Come on, let's be honest. Consider others better. Assess more value to that to others than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This runs flat, flies right in the face of the whole, everything you get sold on television ads or wherever they might be, that you want to do that which gets you noticed. And when you're in your job, you want to make your mark. That you want to seize opportunity. There's, there, this is a, a transformation of awareness. It's a way of thinking. And I, I can tell you, this is not going to happen just because you sit in this room right now. It's going to happen if you invite God to do something and you'd make a disciplined choice to say, I'm going to interrupt my instincts. When I enter a situation, an environment or a relationship, I'm going to choose to actively consider in my mindset that I have a place in that room, that I am not going to choose to be the alpha dog in that environment, that I am not going to position myself, that I'm going to choose to take a step backward. It doesn't mean you don't exert your gifts of leadership. It doesn't mean that you don't advance sometimes. But in your mindset, you look first and foremost for how you can advance others. It's a way you think before a way you act. It means I come into a place and I, 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 I look at the room, I assess the environment, and I decide that I grant value because God has said it to the other people around there, the other people around me. I'm going to enhance others' experience. So this, this shows up in places like your workplace. You know what? This shows up in your school, okay? Right? I mean, the mentality in most high schools is it's survival. 
middle school. It's survival. You just get through there. You just work your way through the massive crowds in the hallways. You just, and you're looking out for what people think of you and you don't, you're just trying to survive. And God says, yeah, now in paradox, in order for you to advance, I'm going to ask you to go into that place and consider the people around you and where they're going, more important than where you're, where you're going. It happens in a workplace where you think about advancing how somebody else is seen instead of your own. That doesn't, can I just tell you, this doesn't make any sense to me. You lose your job because of this. You could. You don't get the raise you want. You don't get the legitimate things you desire in life because of this. And God goes, yeah, all right, do you want to follow me? This is how it works. Because this is what I did. This is what my son did. He took a place underneath you. He took a place of being a servant to you. And as a result of that, something came out of it. Can can I just talk with you? Frankly, it happens in here. You came in here this morning. Let's just talk right where we live right now. You came in here this morning. Some of you walked in, and and some some of us in the room don't ever think about what anybody else is doing. You walk in, you look for the place you want to sit, you look for the place, and some, some of you came in after things started so you could kind of quietly come in, and as soon as we're done, amen at the end, boom, you're going to be out the door. I know who you are. You're sitting in those top rows. We pump the extra heat. Is it really hot in here? That extra heat is headed up to you because we're trying to teach you a lesson. Because the natural instinct is, well, let's see what if this is worth my while. Let's see. I, and I got things to do, and I got places to be. And I may not come sometimes, whether it's to this or to cell group, because I got stuff. I got things to do. And it never crosses our mind. Not in our instinct. Not in our, our, our nature. To stop, stop and think, wait a minute. Maybe there's another reason I could be here. Because maybe, you know what? Maybe there's somebody sitting near you. Maybe this isn't about you at all. Maybe you don't, you've got, your circle of friends are full. You don't need to meet anybody new, but somebody around you is hurting right now. Somebody around you came in here and all they need is somebody to just reach out to them a little bit. Somebody to say, can I introduce myself? Maybe I'm going to go to my group this week, not because I feel energized, but because somebody else needs something that God's going to use me in their life to do. It's a paradoxical thinking. You want to meet your own needs, meet other people's needs instead. You diminish, you advance other people. That will not happen. It will not happen just because you get inspired to think about it. It's going to happen because you choose to enact it. That your relationship with God moves you forward to say, I'm going to consciously redirect my instincts. I'm going to lay my natural impulses aside and I'm going to choose to do something paradoxical because the design of the maker said that that's what I'm supposed to do. Now, it extends from how you think, then it, 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 talk, it ex, expands itself into what, how we communicate, what we say, what we do. It, there's a phrase at the end of this in Luke chapter four, uh, 14, verse 11, where this, the, this paradoxical statement is made. It says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. The word for exalted there means to be lifted up and to be trumpeted. So there's, there's a positional aspect, but there's also a, an audible act, aspect of this. And somebody who, who announces and audibleizes where, who they are and how good they are, it's talking about that. How we exalt ourselves. And so God's got a way of, of what we use our voices for, how we communicate. And in, in Proverbs, it just comes right out and says it. It says it this way, look at this. Let another one praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. 
You want to be elevated, then choose to not elevate yourself. Choose to elevate others. All right, let me bring this down to where we live. Let me just ask you a couple questions. When you're in conversation, what tends to be recurring topics that come up when you talk with people? Just stop and think about it. Do, do those recurring topics come up because they're topics you like and that you're involved in? Some of us don't. We say, oh, no, of course not. The other person is interested. Really? Do you know that? Can I tell you? Oh, you'll kill me for this. If you got an infant baby, we love your baby. We think they're cute. But there are other things going on in the world. <laughs> the reason, why, what's the reason that we always wind up talking about your baby? You're on the other, spectrum, other end of the spectrum. Why is it we always talk about the ailments we've got? How are you doing? Oh, I got, I got this problem. The older we get, the more we start. We, we got categories for our aches and pains. We got things. We got procedures we got to think about. And we got these other problems going on. Why does that always come up? In our instinct, we will trumpet that which, we're, which most feeds us, that most involves us, that most interests us. We will exalt. That's a form of exalting ourselves. We're trumpeting something that brings the attention to ourselves. Maybe people just aren't as interested in sports. Well, I don't understand that. <laughs> I had a friend who worked in the music industry a long time ago. Every time I wanted to be in a conversation with this guy, the guy kept talking about the music industry. It, it, like we, I, I'd be talking about the industry, and it would go on and on and on. I thought, I don't talk about the music industry with anybody else except this guy. Why does it happen? Well, it happens because he does the same thing I do, except I just noticed it in him. This is what it means in practical terms. Don't make this just poetry that says deny yourself and exalt others. Talk, think about how it comes out in conversation, in, in what you say. Here's another question to ask. How many questions do you ask of the other person when you're in conversation with them? I mean, really, count them. How many questions do you ask? You know, I don't like to ask questions in my instinct because if I ask questions, I'm going to hear answers. And I'm not really interested. I want to just, inv- I just want to delight you with my stories of my life. Because of course you're interested in that. There's a rewiring in our minds and in our mouths in what this looks like. Ask, I, I would give you this assignment. Try to watch yourself in, in casual conversation. Do it when we leave today. Watch and ask yourself, how many questions have I asked of this person? Follow-up questions. Not questions just to get them on the subject that I want to talk about. There's a verbal component to this. And then there's this tangible component to this. So there's a, a mindset thinking, there's a verbal part, and then there's a physical, material, tangible part of this. There's, there's some choices that we make. And this is where it's really, you'll notice it, probably more than any other place. A similar kind of concept is... is to, it was said by Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Just, I think we have this for you. Take a look. So Jesus called them together and he said, okay, you know, in this world, the, the kings and tyrants, all right, and officials, they lord it over the people beneath them. All right, here we go, paradox. But among you, now he's talking to you. He's talking to us, assuming that we want to follow his way. Among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. 
Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Yeah, the word is slave there. I mean, that's intense. Somebody who placed himself at the whims of other people. For even the Son of Man came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. The world does not understand the concept of allowing other people to go first. It's, we wait in lines so we can stay civil, but watch what happens when somebody tries to cut in front of somebody in a line. You're waiting for the new iPhone. I mean, there are fo- fights that break out. You get in your car, and it's, it's kind of like a video game, man. All the other cars, the only purpose they serve is just to get, make it a little interesting for you as you weave in out of them because you got someplace to go. I've said this before, but this is just, uh, this is a fight I'm constantly batting, battling that in my life, I tend to think that there's a movie going on. I am the star of the movie, and everybody else are just extras. I mean, there, there's some supporting roles. I got a lead actress, that's good. But let's make it clear that in my thinking, when it comes to activity and where I got to go and what I want to get accomplished, it is a little bit more important than what you've got to get accomplished. Again, I've said this before, this is a confession. I have not gotten any better at this. I am sorry, I have not gotten any better at this. I want to, and I always use the excuse that I don't know what I'm doing with work in my hands. Somebody's broken down by the side of the road and I go by them. And I go, that poor person, broken down by the side of the road. It could be a granny out there with a, you know, like, I mean, she could have real trouble. And I, and I, here's what I say. You know, I would help her, except this time I've really got to be somewhere. And the lie that I tell myself is that this time is not every time. There's never a time when I don't have that thought go through my head. There's always some place I feel like I've got to be. You, know, I, you go in the store, right? You're in the grocery store. You're in the store and you're shopping. You got the cart and you got stuff. And I got this thing that I do. I don't know if you do this. I, I do this. And it's time to check out. And, you, and, and this is what I do, man. I, just, I systematically, I have an actuary chart that pops up in my head about which places are open to check out. And I look over here and there's one person... There's three people in line and their cart's about half full. And I do a calculation in my head real quick between that, that person and the person who's got one big full cart. How many of those people have little small children? It's slowing them down. It's slowing them down. And you got some people over here that they're just walking slow and I can tell it's going to take them five minutes to get their billfold out. I'm not going to that line over there. And I will, posi- and I will, do, I will position myself that if I see somebody else headed and I know we're headed to the same cart, I will avoid eye contact. And I will just kind of spot, go a little faster so I can steer in there. And then if they go, I go, oh, excuse me. <laughs> because everybody else is an extra. And I got my agenda to accomplish. And Jesus says, okay, you want to set a course that's going to fundamentally set you in a direction of knowing me better and, and having the effect of you being the greatest person you can be in eternity then choose a course where you are regularly, consistently, not th- just thinking about it, not just talking about it, but you're taking action to advance someone else's agenda. Got, students, can I, you want to blow your parents' mind. You, you really want to freak them out. All right, do this. Find something this week that you know that they want to get accomplished 
They have not mentioned it to you. They have not asked you to do it. It's, they haven't been bothering you. And without asking, just all of a sudden, just start, accomplish, do the task for them. They Seriously, we will get phone calls saying, aliens have abducted my child. I don't know who this is. Because it does not happen naturally. And it's not just for you. It's for all of us. That instinct within us is still, oh, we'll have token ways we serve people. We'll have ways that we feel better about ourselves. We'll say to the person who's got just a carton of milk, go ahead of me, go ahead. I'm so noble. Isn't that nice of me? But do I stop when I got three things and the person's got two carts? Do I say to them, go ahead? Well, no, that's just stupid. (laughs) But something happens. Something happens in your heart when you choose the slow line so that somebody else can go ahead. Something happens in your soul when you choose to lower yourself and you orient your world so that you're not thinking about yourself on the throne. You're actually putting others ahead of yourself. You become a little bit more like Jesus, the Son of God. Part of His character forms a little bit more in you. Do you know anybody who you see do this? And could you just stop for a moment and ask yourself, who do I know who I've seen do this? Here's what I love. we got a room full of people who do this. We got people who've chosen to do it even even during the holidays. I saw people laying aside their wants and their schedules and their money and helping and serving other people. It is a I I could tell you stories and I would embarrass some people in the room if I did of things that just happened in the last three weeks where people lived this out. Do you know somebody who does? Can I just encourage you? Thank them. Tell them you notice. Not so that the reward isn't in heaven. Just encourage them to say. When I thought about that person, I thought about you. When they did that, as they have done it, they have developed the character of Jesus a little bit more in their, in their soul. Their reward in heaven has grown some. The glory that God made, intended to go to himself has been channeled a little bit more because of what's happened in their life. Did you see again? Let's go back to that last verse of, of that, this passage. Uh, Luke 14, verse 11. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who exalts himself or he who humbles himself will be exalted. There is a payoff to this. There is a trumpeting that will come. There is something that you'll say it was worth it. It will not happen in the next five minutes. It won't happen in the next year. It'll happen through eternity. You are tested daily about this in your life. You will, not, you will not get home today without, without having an opportunity to have thought about and enacted what this looks like in the way when we get up to leave this place and who you talk to and, and what, how you drive and how you converse with the people in your car and what you think about. You will have opportunity. It is constantly in front of us. God says it's a paradox. It will not come naturally, but if you enact it, the payoff will be worth it. Look again at, at Philippians chapter 2, what, we, what was read to us, or what we read together earlier. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, doesn't, he doesn't have to do this. He did not consider equality with God, that lofty position, something to be hoarded or grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. 
And God, the Father, did for Jesus the model of what He will do in our lives too, to a degree. When it says in verse 9 this, Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name. When we enact this, when we choose to, how we think when we enter a room, how we consider other people, when we, when we watch how we speak so that we are inviting other people's stories and their growth, when we put into practice steps that say, you first, you before me, the character of Jesus himself gets formed in our hearts. There's no better way to start 2013 with, than with conscious steps that result in the character, the heart of Jesus Christ being formed in you and in me. It's a paradox, first of many. I challenge you to put it into practice. Let's pray.